Hello, Howard and Christy looking after Spotlight for you this evening, the first programme of 2022. Spotlight, brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. And thanks ever so much to Michelle James for looking after the programme so beautifully over the Christmas period. If you want to hear any of Michelle's programmes again, or indeed any of the Spotlight series, you can do so at any time by simply downloading the podcast from the Manx Radio website or your favourite supplier. Coming up, we'll be hearing from musician-turned-local media mogul John Lightfield, who spent his 2021 supporting fellow artists on their musical journeys. But first, a bit of drama. The Isle of Man One-Act Play Festival is always a dramatic highlight for lots of groups established or otherwise of actors and actresses on the Isle of Man. It takes place in a few weeks' time. President of the Manx Amateur Drama Federation, Michael Lees, told me that the One Act Festival had been going for quite some time. Yes, quite a number of years. I think probably 20-odd years. And But, of course, the, the worst thing is, of course, we didn't have one this year just gone by. We had it planned. We had to cancel it. So we're so keen this time that everything goes off and we've got good entries in. So hopefully, fingers crossed, it will happen. Now, do you know, I'm putting you on the, on the spot here, when does it actually date back to? Because it's been going for pretty much as long as I can remember. Well, the Easter Festival has been going. The very first Easter Festival was 1950. The Manx Amateur Drama Federation was formed about 1945. So that was their first Easter Festival. But the One Act Play Festival, uh, that didn't come in until, as I say, about 20 years ago, really. Yeah, yeah, because I must admit, I've sort of often done it. We've often been in it. Now, if, again, if people haven't been along, and I'm aware that people might be listening to Spotlight and thinking, well, yeah, it's, okay. it's a nice idea. I like the idea of a one-act play. How does a festival work? So can you give us sort of a precy of how the actual festival operates when we're talking about the one-act festival itself? Right, OK. So um, I was looking through Jean Webb's drama sketchbooks and, and books because uh, she's left them to the uh, Drama Federation and I came across a piece by Arthur Moore now Arthur Moore to some of your listeners will not be known at all but to some of them they may, may remember he was a critic for the newspapers the Isle of Man newspapers and he wrote in there that he thought festivals were a really good idea because it gave criticism from somebody who was knowledgeable i.e. Uh, an adjudicator, or as he himself put it, him, because <laughs> he was quite sort of outspoken about he, what he thought about amateur theatre in the Gaiety Theatre. But he said uh, the, the good thing about an adjudicator is they give a completely unbiased opinion. And he said until festivals came along, most people that went to see an amateur play at the theatre were either friends or relatives, and they did add a rather rosy glow to their opinion of the uh, what they'd just seen. And I think that sort of sets the bar, really. That's what festivals do. They set the bar so that uh, the teams will get better by being there. But the great thing is, which you don't always appreciate at the time, but the audience get better because they become more involved. Because sometimes when you're an audience member and you're sitting there, you think, there's something wrong here, but I just don't quite know what. And then when the adjudicator comes on, he enlightens you and says, well, had they just done this and had they just done that? And all of a sudden, it's clear, you know. And the same way the other way, that if there's something really good and the adjudicator says, this was really first class, well done, 
then you think, oh, I was right. I thought that too. <laughs> and you do get that. I must admit, people sort of people are sitting judging it in their yes. own mind. Yes. I, I guess it it is very subjective, of course, because you know you can sit and go and watch a play, any any play, one actor otherwise, and you can go with a friend, and you might love it, and your friend might think, oh, I didn't enjoy that at all. It's exactly. it. It's but there is a sort of from the adjudication point of view, there is a sort of set method they follow, isn't there? Oh, very much so. They have a set of marks. And, uh, you know, for acting, for the directing, for the stage managing, uh, and different other things, you know? So, um, yes, they have a set of marks, and then they can give extra marks if if something was really fantastic. You mentioned Jean there as well, who obviously has been long time stalwart of the Manx amateur drama scene with the service players and going right back to the uh, 1940s I think she was uh, Jean was there when I very first trod the boards over here in the early 80s and she was established then uh, another person who long uh, associated with MAPRA of course and the one acts is, is Olga Gray very much so and Olga was an absolute stalwart of the theatre scene in the Isle of Man for over 50 years I mean she did so much and she was always so enthusiastic and she could get you involved helping in some way whether it was simply loaning your furniture which she often asked people to do or whatever and she got really involved I was a very talented actress in her day and then went on to direct and she's directed many plays since then and worked with lots of professional people adjudicators Siddle Spencer people of that ilk who did lots of productions and Olga was always very much involved. And then in her latter years, well, now it's about 25 years ago, she was the instigator of the Young Actor of Man happening because she was then chairman of the Drama Federation and she went to a particular bank in the Isle of Man and used her usual charm on them. (laughs) And the next thing, they were sponsoring the competition for several years. So, you know, it was really good. And she was really proud of that because we have seen young actors enter that competition Competition and go on into the professional world. So, you know, it's a fantastic opportunity for them uh, with a wonderful prize um, of over £500, which is fantastic. And so it's a great opportunity. And that's all thanks to Olga and her encouragement of young people. Absolutely. And she always has an amazing eye for detail. And I know I've been directed by Olga in a few plays. And yes, if you've got something s- somewhere slightly wrong, not your lines, but if you just were standing in the wrong spot or had the wrong look on your face or really weren't reacting, pop, Olga would pick up on it straight away and say, you weren't actually right there, Howard. I think you know, we'll need to do that again because you weren't really, you, you weren't actually on the ball there. And yes, she really had a great eye to detail. And you're right about the young people. She was always seeing great young talent coming through. And the talent pool on the island, when you think again, and we, we often say this in the Isle how much we punch above our weight, really. Oh, absolutely. And particularly uh, young people, but also the musicals. I mean, the standard of musicals is fantastic. It really is. And, and I must say one thing about Olga and why she was in some ways better than some actresses because when you're on stage, as I had been on several occasions, working with Olga as an actor, you were absolutely sure that if you went wrong, if any of your lines were missed, she could guide you back. Some actors, they just stand like a block and they can't help you and you can't help yourself, but Olga was not one of those. She was one that would just gently get you back. It was marvellous. So looking forward to this year's festival, I mean, uh, where is it... Back in its its sort of spiritual home, I think, I assume it is this year, in, in any case, at the Aeronauts Centre? It certainly is, and I'm very pleased about that, Howard, because I think the Aeronauts Centre lends itself yes. to that sort of very intimate atmosphere. And that's one of the differences between a one-act festival 
and the full festival at the Gaiety Theatre, it's a much more intimate atmosphere, which means the actors can actually look in the audience's eye. Absolutely. And it makes them both both feel sort of involved in it. So that's great. So, yes, it's at the Air and Art Centre, and um, booking hasn't opened yet, but only because entries haven't closed yet. So entries close on the 7th of January, Howard, which is just a few days away. Mm -hmm. Now, this festival isn't just open to uh, established drama groups. Anybody who wanted to have a go... uh, then and I think there was a group, and I think you were in it, Abigail's party. Yes. I think that was just a group that got together, wasn't it? Was. It, it so, was. So yeah. you know, if anybody feels even at this late stage, oh, I wouldn't mind having a go at that. There's still time. Go on to the Madfa website, and there you will get an entry form, seventh of January. Just submit that, and you will be entitled to put your play on. And the play can be self written or it can be um, one of your choice, doesn't matter uh, and that means that the actual festival begins on hopefully the 2nd to the 5th of March, so that's still plenty of time to choose a play, you've got over 8 weeks to rehearse it, which is loads of time, uh, and it's at the Air and Art Centre. Our adjudicator is a man called Robert Meadows and we've had him before mm. and we were due to have him last year, so we're very pleased that we've engaged him again and you were saying, which also has been very encouraging, the last few years I've noticed there's hardly been a year, I know we didn't have unfortunately, unfortunately last year, but there have been an amazing number of, of plays written by the actors and actresses in it. I mean, they're you know, local playwrights. Oh, very much so. And that's, that's actually um, increasing the number mm. of local playwrights. It's, it's quite a, a number, really. And so that's great because, you know, it gives them an opportunity. And uh, I think some of the plays are really very, very good indeed that are self-written. Yeah. And there's no, like I said, there can be comedies, there can be straight. There's no sort of specific rules on, on the content of the play itself. There's just, obviously, it's got to be a one act. And I think it's got to be, there is a time limit, I think. And off the top of my head, I can't remember. I don't know whether you can, but it's around about sort of 50 minutes, I think, or something like that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. They're, they're the only real stipulations. Other than that... Anything pretty much goes, whether it's a tragedy, a comedy, uh, something something in between, so long as it's engaging and it fits into those parameters. So anyone can take part. You don't need to be in an established group. Uh, are the entries looking fairly positive this year? They are. We, we are I'm very uh, pleased to say lots of the teams that were going to enter last year have said, yes, we still want to keep going. Mm-hmm. So I, I think they've more or less got you know, a, a festival ready. But as I say, 7th of January is the final day. So if anybody's still thinking about it, or just to remind the established teams, don't forget, get your, make sure your entry has gone in. And of course, and, uh, teams can add more than one play. Mm-hmm. They can do several plays if they've got the cast. So that's fine. So, yeah. Marvellous. And I should say, of course, the overall winner of the festival as adjudicated at the end of the whole festival so there's always various prizes for individual best actor and actress and best director and such like and then one play is chosen as the winner of the festival by the adjudicator that play then has a chance to actually go across to more festivals in the UK it certainly has there are two organisations one is the All England and that's one where automatically by winning this festival they go on to that and the other is the National Drama Festivals Association which is in the summer and that is by invitation but the Isle of Man has always had an entry chosen it has to be the winner so it always had an entry into that so that's two national events that happen later in the year and the Isle of Man qualifies for that. MADFA President Michael Lees there and you can find out more about the festival and indeed all the activities of MADFA on their website MADF.IM Spotlight brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council.
Next up, Christy has been speaking with a Norwegian musician who's already made himself extremely busy since moving here to the island. John Lightfield is a respected solo singer-songwriter and also plays with bands A Third Above and Velvet Slide. But his new venture sees him branching out and looking at music in a different way. Since we last caught up, you've been getting very busy on the local scene by supporting other musicians. Tell us a little bit about this. I'm so fortunate now that I can actually start to give something back to the music, well, music environment, if you like, here on the island. Uh, um, it makes me so happy to do that. It started off, as you know, I've I was kind of forced during lockdown in the initial start of that to kind of go online to get help myself for music etc and in that process I obviously released some songs etc and others have heard that of my family and friends and they wanted me to help them and I was more than happy to do that and um, it went from family to friends band members etc <laughs> so um, Power On Music is not a business it's not a label it's more a sort of a top of an umbrella if you like that I kind of clustered all my musical interest underneath whether it's being posters for gigs actually releasing music etc so um yeah, I've been very busy with everyone else and then gigging myself as well. So it's been a very busy 2021, it has. Well, let's come back to Power On Music then, because yeah. you just sort of gave a really brief overview there. But you've been working with a number of different artists. We'll come to them each individually. What are you actually doing then for each of these different artists? Well, I can... I can sort of do anything they want if they like but in most cases they have written their songs to themselves the lyrics are done they come with a rough demo of an acoustic version or they have even tried themselves to do sort of a, a mix that they are happy with that gives an idea what they want and then we agreed to send this to production where I use different people in most of cases it's still the guy from Birkenhead Rye because uh, it seems to adapt to a lot of styles which is very exciting for me and also for family and friends. Um, so that's where the production is going to. Then it comes back to me. Then my part comes in musically. I do the mix. And and yeah, like I said, they could be also creating a name logo for them if they haven't got that. And so it's anything within... I should really call Power on Music Power on Media because <laughs> it's it's not just music, I guess. But yeah, it could be anything. So, I mean, I've got other people asking me to help them set up a web page, for instance, stuff like that. So, yeah. It's, it's one of those complicated things, isn't it? When you've got so many different skills that you can use and people come to you and say, can you do this? Can you do that? And you, you are doing this for, for people, which is fabulous. But you mentioned as well um, releases, releasing things. And you mm. know yourself, it's, it seems like the easiest thing in the world at the moment to release music because there's so many different opportunities. But partly because there's so many opportunities, it's also quite difficult, isn't it? So I guess because you've had that background, you're able to guide and assist people in, the, in that side of things as well. Well, again, to what they actually want me to do. It, it kind of differs very much from the person to person. Some people want to put as little money in this as possible and don't want to have too much fuss about it. Uh, i got someone who don't really put it, want to put it on online store, but want to have it on Bandcamp only. Uh, and that's fine. Uh, that's their decision. It's their music. They decide. So my, my help comes to the point where 
what they want to do with music. If they want to do a full distribution, I can do that. And it's it might be easier than you think, but it's not. There's rules and regulations on art covers, etc., size, and and some some people give you send me pictures and say, well, this is big enough to cover a corner of a A4 sheet. It's not going to work. We need to have this much bigger, and I have to kind of fix the pictures up a bit and stuff like that, make them high resolution for for purpose of. Um, the likes of iTunes or Amazon or whatever they all call. Mm-hmm. So um, that's that's one process of it. But it's also, like I mentioned, there is a different process here. People who listen now mustn't think that I'm a studio. I'm not. Uh, it's more a way that you can do in a affordable way to get your demo to become a nice demo. It's not really a professional demo as such. We have got them here in Douglas, Bala Groove, down in Balasala, and obviously Red Line in Foxhale. These are all studios. I think there's one in Laxey as well, but I don't know the name. It's, these are all professional people, and if you want the professional job done, go there. But if you hear what you hear today and you think that's fine enough, yes, I can help. Don't <laughs> expect me to um, um, treat you as a client as such. It's more a friendly advice, if anything. Like helping people to navigate through this this sort of this yeah. world. In Some a way. people are intimidated by this, and finally, and finally, it's very easy just to speak with me instead than. Well, you mentioned uh, hearing some of the music that we're going to hear on the radio today. So let's talk about some of the artists so we can mm. give a bit of an overview of how they sound. So Ian first, and obviously we've spoke to Ian on the show before, Ian Molyneux. Uh, tell us a little bit about what he's been up to. Well, if you like to say, if it, if it was a business, this would be my absolute biggest signing. And I know he would love to hear that as well. It is nothing ever but a A dream never meant for me So uh, he has um, gone and done four songs through Power On Music and he's going to release an EP aiming for 14th of January mm-hmm. which is the day after his mum passed away uh, so it's sort of a important personal date for him and it's also in relation to what the album is about, uh, parts of it anyway. So um, it's basically the second part of his Highway trilogy, that's what. Uh, with the Highway, um, Heavenly Highway Hymns, so was his first part that he released a couple of years ago. And this one will be called The Point of Air. And then he will finish off with the Bing Bang, it's the plan called The Road to the Sound. Whoa. So he has had this plan for years. But yeah, no, it's going to be a big good EP as far as I can tell. And it's a really good, good four songs on it that you are going to love. If you love kind of indie pop rock, you're going to love these songs, all four of them. Excellent. So that's Ian. So all the best with Ian and uh, the point of out and the other EPs as well that we're talking about there. Now, Aaron Harwood as well. Um, he's got his first ever EP as well. Tell us about that. Yeah, that was <laughs> more surprising. <laughs> well, Aaron and I played together in a band called Well The Slide. Um, he's just pure rock and roll dude. I, I like to call him rock dude. It's just epic. I, I like this compare him to like a 70s proper rock band that's where it is and just straightforward nice riff 
and he's also very good in his lyrics to write personal opinions and I find that interesting because he's not afraid to have an opinion in the lyrics and make it personal for everyone to hear you got a couple of songs out there now one which is going to be the title of the EP Turn Up The Rock and Roll and then he's got another song out there called Friction Kitchen the EP will be three added songs on that and we're hoping to get that out on the 18th of February. So I'm very chuffed about that. It's going to be good solid rock album very exciting and then uh, I'm also very much intrigued by the John Paul project what is this all about John (laughs) now this is this is one of the things that are the delightful part of being a collaboration in music you find them anywhere anytime and when you least expect them so it all started last year I had the gig in the head and pub a uh, New Year's gig and I played with the local band there called the Heronies there's a bass player there named Paul we talked a lot about Liverpool which in our football club and we talked a lot about music and um, I, I pick him up at home sometimes and drive him back to mine and Fridays or mine and Jane's and then we sit and do music for a few hours and one day he was I was playing something on guitar and he plays bass so we suddenly just playing this and like hang on this sounds alright <laughs> so we just lay down some tracks on that and it just became this great song called Breathe and now we, for the fun of it Paul actually decided to, we decided that Paul should write the lyrics on it which he'd never done before and he loved this part he loved this creativity that we got together and that's what he wanted so we started on basically just a random meet last year and it's gone on from there so we're going to release an EP we hope uh, this March we've got two songs set they're done we've got two more in the making but they are a bit far off, so that's why I say we hope in March, because it could be stumble blocks with the annoying little virus called COVID. Oh, it's so irritating, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Do you know, it's, it's funny, though, because we, we have talked as well, though, about how virus, awful, awful thing, obviously wants it to go away, but lockdown has given people opportunities, hasn't it, to sort of really Absolutely. focus on their, their music and their art? Well, I'm, I'm one of them, and, and this is one of the reasons why all these things are happening so I'm, I'm a great believer in if one door closes there's another one that can be opened so you just got to take the positives as you can as far as you go so quite yeah, right no, too and, and very excited about that uh, very various t- style of songs this John Paul project and it was actually Paul's suggestion to call it John Paul project two scouses named John and Paul <laughs> I'm not comparing <laughs> I'm not we thought that was kind of funny I won't let it go astray I just need to find a way So I keep on dancing The whole night through You are such a busy man because you're also still continuing with your solo work as John Lightfield, aren't you? 
I am. I am on top of... Well, as I mentioned, Third Above has got a single as well coming out. And Third Above as well, oh my but, word. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I got myself an EP coming out this spring as well, which is back catalogue songs from the earlier past that I've decided that I want to refresh up a bit and get produced proper and it's sounding okay. I'm pretty chuffed about it, to be honest. I'm looking forward to releasing that. It's not going to be a big thing like Aaron and Ian's and so on. But it's still going to be out there for people to listen to if they want to. Well, we'll see. It doesn't look like it's going to be a boring 2022, let's say like that. Christy speaking with John Lightfield, and you can hear more from Power on Music on the Live Lounge this Saturday at 5 pm. That's about it for this week. Next week, Jane Corkle from the Arts Council will be looking ahead to 2022 in an artistic way, and Jackie Morrie Grace on her fascinating new book. We'll see you then. Take care. Cheerio.